Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you, Colossians 1, 6, and 7, that it bears fruit from the very moment that it goes into our heart. And I just confess, James 1, 22, will be doers of the word. We will not just hear it and walk away empty, but we will do it. I thank you, Isaiah 55 and 11, that your word will not return void and empty. It will prosper and accomplish that which you've set forth in our life. Lord, change us this morning by your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you agree, would you say amen? So we've been in a series the last number of weeks. This is installment number four, entitled A Man After God's Own Heart. Now, if you're in this house today and you're not a man, number one, we love you. We honor all of our ladies. Isn't that right, men? That's Okay, isn't that right, men? <laughs> if y'all want any dinner later, you better give a little better amen. We honor all of our ladies and, and children and boys in the house, but, but we have specifically been speaking to the men over the last number of weeks. And and we're going to land this plane today so we can start picking on the ladies. We picked on the men long enough, Chad. Now we're going to start picking on the ladies. But we're going to land this plane today. And, and uh, I really thought, what if I could just tell the men in, in, in our church something, if I could share with them anything that would help make them a better husband. How many know it's good to be a good husband? How many know? Even if you're not married, these are things you can learn. I got three people in the house that think it's good to be a good husband. We may doing some, be doing some marriage counseling in the next couple of weeks. How many know it's good to be a great dad? Good to be a good dad, good godly dad. Amen. How many know it's good to just be just be a good man, be a good church member, be a good body of citizen of America. Amen. Or Peru or wherever you're from, it's 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 good to to hear to the principles of God. And so I ask myself now, ladies, you'll you'll get wisdom from this. There's so much wisdom in this teaching today. This will bless everybody in the house, even if you're not of the male gender. But but I really thought, what if I could speak anything into Josh's life that would help him? If I could speak into Chet's life? What, if I could speak anything into Tom Lawson's life from the Word of God that will help either A, keep you on track... Or B, help you get on track, what would it be? And that's the heart I'm going to bring you this morning. So we've talked to you real quick. The media team's going to help me review. Uh, let's look at the first couple of things that we spoke about the last number of weeks. And this is the mappings to make a mighty man. I believe the element of our society is the lack of godly men. I believe the breakdown of the family starts because of a lack of godly men. And so we want our church to be disease-free, divorce-free, depression-free, drug-free. And that's only going to happen if our men will be men and lead the home. Now, we have a lot of single moms in the house, a lot of single ladies who are primary caregivers, and so we understand now you're fulfilling this role, and we honor you in that, and we understand that we want to come alongside of you and help and augment and support, but God's ultimate design, His ultimate plan is for the man to lead the home, and it will help our society. What is one of our core values? Strengthening families. This year in prayer, if we can strengthen men, it'll strengthen the church. If we can strengthen the church, it will strengthen the city and the county and the nation and so forth and so on. So God has given us the mandate, number one, to finish strong. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. How many of you can think of someone now who did not finish well? They started strong, but yet something came up, a moral failure. They had a broken focus, and they didn't finish the way that they started. We could all name names. Number two, we're to foster intimacy 
with God. We're to foster an intimate walk with God. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that Enoch walked with God. Is it said of you that as a man you walk with God? See, we're redefining masculinity. Society has taken over what it means to be a man. And, and they've labeled you this way. And they've said, you know, you can't be emotional. And you can't, you know, be involved. And, and, and it's womanizing. And it's about power and greed. But the Bible has a new definition for manhood. Number three, we're going to follow God's calling on our life. We looked at the life of Noah and how God had called him. The, the best testament of Noah is it says, Noah did all that God commanded. Noah did all that was commanded of him. Look at the next screen that I want you to see. Not only on these lines, but we talked about the Christian life is not a hundred yard dash. It is a marathon. So you may have had a bad start, but you can have a great finish. Look at the next screen. Look at the next point that I want to review. The future of your family depends on your faithfulness today. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God is merciful. Some of you are in here today and you're following Christ and you didn't have godly examples. But why don't we give our kids today and our grandkids a better start than where we started? Let's give them an advantage in the realm of the Spirit. Look at the next point that I want to review very quickly. Your walk with God will affect future generations. My dedication and devotion to God can adjust an entire generation. I prayed that this morning over the, the kids that were going to camp. I, I prayed, Lord, let them be a gener this be an adjustment for their generation. Your walk with God today affects future generations. Look at the next point that I want you to review. We need to develop and maintain a passion for God. Where are the men that have a passion for God? For too long, we've relegated passion to the ladies. Well, the ladies can be passionate about that, and they can be Men, let's rise up. Let's desire a passion for God. Let's maintain it. Let's cultivate it. Let's feed it. Let's be around those with it. Let's stay pure in our walk with God. And then look at the next screen. We begin to talk to you about to really love God, to really have a passion for God. You must understand how much He loves you. And look at that. Let me show you what that looks like. God's love is deep. It is not based on my performance. God's love convicts, doesn't condemn. God's love, as we sang this morning, cast out all fear. Isn't that good news? That's really good news. So we can finish strong. We can foster intimacy with God. We can fulfill God's calling in our life. Look at the next one. We'll show you this, this thing here. We gave you five components of the call. It's God's calling, not your own. When we talk about this fulfilling God's call, we must value and prize the calling. How many of you have ever had something valuable that you protected, that you guarded? The calling of God on you and your family is valuable. It must be prized and protected. And then you, have not, you may have given up on the calling, but ladies and gentlemen, God has not. Look at the next screen. This is what I want to share with you. You're not only called to survive, but men, you're called to thrive. Isn't that good news? So many men just survive. You just go to work. Eat, come home, go to work, eat, come home. God called for you to, to thrive in life, not just survive. Look at the next screen. God has a great plan for your life. Can I have an amen? Just not a great life for your plan. It's God's calling. It's not your own. You didn't choose it. You, you didn't decide your destiny. You discover it. Look at the next screen. Make little decisions today that match your big vision. I want to be here. I've got this goal in life. I've got this goal of retirement. How many know you can have a goal of retirement, but if you don't start investing in a 401k or an IRA or some kind of an account, how many know you're not going to have any retirement at the end of your years? Oh, that's new to everybody, I guess. <laughs> you can dream about a great 401k, but if you don't invest in it today, it's not going to happen in the future. So men, let's not wait. Ladies, let's not wait. Let's make decisions today that match where we're going. 
Look in the next one. I think we're getting close here to the end. And we talked about the call must be prioritized. And according to the Bible, we're a child of God first and foremost. Men, secondly, you're called to be a husband. I'm a, I'm a husband of my wife. That's my second calling in life. My third calling is to be a father to my children. How I many you know that's a calling? I need to prize that, prioritize that, take it serious. And then I'm called to you, the church, the body of Christ. And then I'm called into my vocation. Last screen for review. So the call is prioritized, and we're going to stay faithful to the one who called so that's where we've been the last few weeks, and I just wanted to quickly catch you up. And today, number four, we're going to give you the fourth mapping to make a mighty man, and it's focus on the family. Say that with me. Ready? Focus on the family. This can help everybody in the room. And I begin to think, what could I share with these men and these young men, these young unmarried men in the room, or some of these married men, or ladies, how many single ladies do we have in the house? Let me know it's not a disease. Come on, you can raise your hand. <laughs> you single ladies in the house, this is the kind of man you need to look for. Matter of fact, I would get this sermon, this podcast, and I would make me a checklist on everything your pastor's preached about the last few weeks, and I would compare that man that you're thinking about spending the rest of your life with, I would compare that man to this checklist that your sweet pastor has brought to you, what God looks for, and if they don't meet it, put them aside. Sorry, you don't make the cut. You don't make the grade because God has a plan for me. God has a plan for my life, and I'm not going to settle. Can you trust God, ladies? I know we're picking on the men, but, but I just sense this here. Ladies, can you trust God to bring you the right person? So many times we're looking for the right person, and God says, I don't want you to look for the right person. I want you to become the right person. Ladies, don't be looking just for Mr. Right. You become Mrs. Right, and you'll have Mr. Right standing in line. So men, same thing. Men, if you don't, you know, well, I'm just looking for Mrs. Wright. You become Mr. Wright, and Mrs. Wright will be waiting in line for you. God will bring. Why would God bring his best if you're not giving God your best? Oh, that's good preaching, Candy. Come on, that's good preaching. Why would God give you his best daughter if you're a lousy man? If you can't even get out of bed. Uh-oh. Come on now. I'm make, making everybody mad today. I just feel ornery today. Why would God bring you his best young man, his best son? Oh, you know, you get it. You get the point. All right, we'll move on. That's good. That wasn't in the notes. That's free. I won't charge you for that. That's free. No charge for that. So we're going to focus on the family. Well, we, We're going to briefly look at the story of Abraham. You guys remember Abraham. God called Abraham when he had no children. He was very old. And he said, I'm going to give you a promise that your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. And Abraham followed God and he left the land that he was in and God blessed him there and he fought the armies uh, in the city of Sodom and the king of Sodom recognized and blessed him and then Abraham went back to his home and, and at 90-something years old, God gives you a promise. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham will be the father of the Jewish nation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob became Israel, which we get the 12 tribes of Israel. And so the lineage of the Messiah came through this man, Abraham. And so think about this. God is looking through the prism of history. He's looking in eternity, uh, future eternity, and he says, What man can bring forth the seed of the Messiah? Hey, you know, that's a big deal. To be chosen to bring forth the Messiah, the Savior of all the world, hinges on a man training and leading his family in the ways of God. Who can I pick to do that? I mean, what a, I mean, out of all the people on the earth at the day, why did God choose Abraham 
Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that? Many sons had... Well, Father Abraham was 90 and had no sons. Father Abraham had a promise over his life which through the Messiah would come, the lineage of Jesus would come through the seed of a man. Why would God choose Abraham? How many of you are interested? Why would God choose Abraham? Why would God choose Chad? Why would God choose George? Why would God choose Jim? I'm going to give you the secret. Men, how many want to be used by God? Ladies, how many want to be used by God? Why would God choose you? The answer may shock you. Look at Genesis 18 and verse 18. So Abraham will surely become a great mighty nation. God is talking to himself in this dialogue and he's saying, should I withhold this information from Abraham? And he says, in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In Abraham all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How many of you live in a nation on the earth? You are blessed today because of Abraham. How many of you are in the body of Christ? You've given your life to Christ. We're now engrafted in as spiritual Israel. We're now, Abraham is called the father of our faith. We are blessed because of the covenant God made with Abraham. Why did God choose Abraham? This is going to blow your mind. Look at Genesis 18, verse 19. For I have chosen him. Abraham didn't stumble into this. It was a calling. He was called to be a mighty man, called to be the father of nations. And it says, I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous justice so that the Lord may bring up Abraham to, and, and deliver what he has spoken about him. Ladies and gentlemen, according to this verse, Abraham was chosen because he was a family man. Even though he didn't have any children, God knew he would honor his family. God knew he would honor his children. Abraham was chosen because of the way he would focus his family toward the things of God. So when God is looking around this room for someone to use in a mighty way, one of the things that God looks for is someone who will focus on the family. I want to give you four findings to focus on the family this morning. Very quickly, four findings to focus on the family. This can put us in position to be used by God. Number one, check it out. A faithful father will see the fulfillment of the promise. A faithful father will see the promise. Now, ladies, this goes for you as well. We need to learn to be faithful. I'm going to show you some things in the Bible about faithfulness. And faithfulness, how many know, goes deeper than just showing up. Showing up is not alone faithfulness. Showing up is a good place to start. Can I have an amen? But there's so much more to faithfulness than just showing up. Abraham was chosen because he would be faithful to direct and command. That word in the Hebrew direct actually means to lead, to charge, to order, to put things in order. God chose Abraham because he would put his family and set his family in order in the things of God. Look at this PowerPoint for life. This will help everybody in the room. Ready? Past faithfulness sets you up for future promotion. How many of you are late to work every day? You're not going to be in line for a promotion. How many of you are late every day when they have to look through the company and they find out who are we going to lay off today? How many of your name is probably going to be at the top of the list? Who do we have to cut? Whose hours get cut? I guarantee you they're going to look for those who are not faithful, who are not loyal, who are not dedicated. Your past faithfulness, Abraham's past faithfulness, set him up for future promotion. Now, listen, this is good news for everybody in the house. God is not just looking for perfection only, but He's looking for faithfulness. How many of you are glad God's not just looking for perfection? How many of you would be disqualified if God were looking for perfection? Both hands are up. God is looking for 
faithfulness. A faithful father will see the promise. A faithful mother will see the promise. A faithful child of God will see the promise. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 20. The Bible says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. You mean teach you how I pray? When I pray, I love to pray the Bible. Because I'm starting with the answer, not the problem. If you go to God with all of your problems, you, you're so depressed you can't even think about the answer. So I and bring your problems to God. But I spend most of my prayer life identifying my problems and then attaching a scripture to them. I start with the answer, not the problem. This is the way I pray. Lord, I confess today, Proverbs 28 verse 20, that because I'm a faithful man, I will abound in blessing. And it goes on to say, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. So a faithful man, say this to me, say a faithful man will abound in blessings. As men, we've got to be faithful to our God. We've got to be faithful to our spouse. We've got to be faithful to our children, faithful to our employer, faithful to the calling of God on our life. Look at 1 Samuel 26. David records this. It says, The Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. So faithfulness, if you will, is the currency of heaven. Write that down. Faithfulness really is the currency of heaven. When you invest in faithfulness, it always yields dividends. Faithfulness is the currency of heaven. It's what God looks for. Look at Matthew 25 and verse 21. How many know we're doing a little Bible hopping? Is that okay? How many know it's better than bar hopping? All right. Let's do a little Bible hopping. Matthew 25, 21, the master was full of praise. Why? He said, well done, now good and faithful. I want to show you something the Lord began to develop in my heart. You can be good and not be faithful. Notice here, it doesn't lump them together. It's to, well done, thou good. and You can be a good dad and not really actually be faithful to the call of God for your family. You can be a good church member and not really actually be faithful to what God's called you to do. You can be, you know, you can be good in morals, but faithfulness is another level. Faithfulness is the spiritual aspect where good, I would think, is the competency, the morality, and then faithful is the spiritual. Now, notice this here. Well done, now good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount of money, this small thing, so I will now give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. When I come to you church people and I say, you've done so well in this little thing, let me give you a lot more responsibilities. There's not a whole lot of celebrating together. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I want any more responsibilities. But the principle is this, Meshach, if we're faithful in the little, God can give us more. So Abraham demonstrated faithfulness and God chose him. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It says, now a person who is a leader or who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Men, you're in charge of your spiritual destiny and walk with God. You're in charge of your family as the leader and the head of your home. So we must be faithful. Now, number two, the second finding to focus on the family is watch and keep your word. This is huge. This is so important. How many words are very important? How many words you speak over your family are very important? 
How many words you speak over your kids are very important? And if you don't know that, I'm telling you this morning, words are very important. Our children learn to trust God based on what we say. How did Abraham's children learn to trust God? How was Abraham going to lead his family in the things of God? Because the words that he said, he was faithful and true and trustworthy in his word. So his kids saw dad, Abraham. They saw dad keeping his word. Therefore, God must be one that keeps his word. Reverse it. If a, if a family does not see the father or the man keep their word, they will have a hard time sometimes believing that God will keep his word. Well, why would God keep his word? My dad never did. Let's be careful what we say. Let's do what we say. Let's say what we mean and mean what we say. Now, it's not, you know, sometimes there's a slip up and you say this or that and you know, we're not, you know, I'm not telling you to get in a ditch over here in legalism, but we need to keep our word. Let's be men. If you say on Friday night, we're going to do this on Friday night, you need to do that. Now, do things come up? Yes. Sometimes there's funerals and emergencies and things. And my kids are so good at understanding. But if I say, hey, when I get home tonight, we're going to play a game. Guess who's going to be playing a game when he gets home? Well, it's 8 o'clock and I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. I said it. I need to keep my word. I need to demonstrate faithfulness to my children and my family that God is faithful. God is trustworthy by watching and keeping my word. Follow through. Say that with me. Ready? Follow through. Follow up on your words of discipline. Men, listen. Men, ladies. If you say, if you do that again, there's going to be consequences. They do it again. It's not if you do that one more time. It's you did it again. There's consequences. Your children will respect and honor you for keeping your word. Now listen, Tate. Tate, I'm telling you, Tate, I know you're two years old, but don't hit anymore, buddy. Don't hit. Whack. Tate, don't hit. I'm telling you, Tate, don't hit anymore. If you hit me again, Tate, I'm going to have to discipline you, put you in timeout. Whack. Guess who's going into timeout? His mother for teaching him to hit, praise God. I'm teasing. If you say, and if, if, you, if you believe in spanking with instruction, according to the Bible, in an appropriate way, obviously not in an abusive way, but in an appropriate way, if you say, if you say daughter, if you do that again, I'm going to have to give you a spanking. Then if they do it again, they have to have a spanking. Consistency is the key. Keep your word in blessing and keep your word in correction as well. It, it will... It will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness when the kids are older. I'm telling you, that's helping you. That's worth coming for right there. Amen. Well, I told you again, if you do it again. Listen, kids will test you. Yes. Have you ever realized that? Kids will try to walk that line and see how much they can. Luis is like, yes, I still do with my parents. I still, <laughs> he's smiling all big. Kids will like try to see if you are really serious. And you've got to set boundaries, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, you know, just, just trying to help you here. Look at this PowerPoint for life. Men, let's check this out. Ready? Measure your words carefully. I know we get angry and frustrated sometimes with our family and our spouses and our kids. And, but once those words leave your mouth, you can never bring them back. Now, no condemnation. We can't do anything about your past. We can only move forward. I am proud to say, and just proud, we talked about this before we ever got married. The lovely Miss Tara and I, we have never uh, said, I hate you, or I'm going to leave you if you do that again. Pack your bags. And again, if you have, no, no stones, you just look forward. But, but once that word leaves my mouth, I hate you, I don't love you anymore, that words are there. And according to the Bible, life and death is in the power of the tongue. I'm one guy that believes what you say actually matters. 
And so once that word is out there, I can never, up. you ever send an email and wish you didn't send it and try to recall it? It doesn't work. You can't get it back. You ever send a text message back? Oh man, I wish I could have that back. You can't get it back. Measure your words with your children carefully. Speak, speak to who your children can be, not what they are. Speak to who they can be and not what they are presently. Every word you say carries tremendous weight. It can lift up and build up or it can tear down and it can cut down like a tree. Is this helping anybody in the house today? Abraham was chosen because he was faithful. And Abraham was chosen because he watched and he kept his word. Let me just give you the Bible. I can tell you're mad at me, so let me just show you what Jesus had to say. Will you all believe what Jesus had to say about it? Look at Matthew chapter 12. You're all mad at me, but let's look at Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? How could you being evil speak what is good and right? He's putting weight on what they said. Not just what you do. Actions are important, but it also correlates with what you say. Notice this here. Verse 35. We're not, well, no, 34. We'll go back. Because whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of their heart. An evil person produces evil things. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. Verse 37, the words you speak will either quit or condemn. Man, let's watch our words with our family. Is that okay? Can we do that? I'm not saying you won't have a slip up and we're not, you know, we may not do that perfectly. Let's watch our words with our coworkers. Let's watch our words with our family. Look at James 3, 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. How many know, how many know that's, that's a scripture y'all going to take home and confess? Oh, Lord, I thank you. We all make many mistakes. But it says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Check this out. Ready? Look, if we could control your tongue. Just, I've been wanting to do this all week. Look at your neighbor and just give him a big, just stick your tongue right out of him. Just blow it. And then tell your other neighbor, you need a breath mint. You could really use the tic-tac. We could really use a tic-tac. If we could control this thing between our ears and this, and this hole in our mouth, we would be perfect and we could control ourselves in every other way. How many of you be honest and say there's some things in your life that you don't like or don't love? My hand is up right now. Now, don't be thinking about your spouse. That's not that's what I'm talking about. But there's some kind of situation, some kind of quality, some kind of characteristic, some kind of struggle that you have that you just, you would rather it not be there. You don't like it. Sometimes you feel like your emotions are out of control. Sometimes you feel like your finances are out of control. Sometimes you feel like your depression is out of control. I just can't control this depression. According to the Bible, I'm not putting, you know, water on your pity party fire, okay? You got your fire burning, your little pity party fire. I'm not just trying to put water on your pity party. Andrea could use some water right now if anybody could throw her some water. I'm not trying to just put out the fire of your pity party, but the Bible says if we could control our tongue, we could also control ourselves in every other way. Ladies and gentlemen, what you say matters. Say this to me. Say, what I say matters. It matters to my family. It, It matters to my family. It matters to my employer. It matters to my church folks. What we say matters. Look at James 3. Let's go to verse 9. Is this helping anybody? 
It's helping me, James 3, 9. Sometimes our mouth praises our Lord, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Somebody go, oh me. Now, this isn't your sweet Pastor James talking. This is James the Apostle talking here, okay? So y'all get mad at him, send him an email. Sometimes our mouth praises God, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Look at verse 10. So blessing and cursing should not come from the same mouth. Meaning your mouth should be aimed at blessing your family. Your mouth should be aimed at blessing your spouse. Your mouth should be aimed at blessing your children. Blessings and cursing is pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't right. All right, number three. We're going to be faithful and see the promise. We're going to watch and keep our word. This is, this is if Pastor James could just tell our men anything that I've learned over the, the few years that I've been in ministry and married. Number three, demonstrate and model hard work. Well, I don't want to do that because it's hard. Exactly. That's the point. I want you to do that because it's hard. I you know we live in a society who is, is not accustomed to hard work. I heard a story the other day of a man that walked out on his porch and he was gazing out, and, and he, he, he all of a sudden just had this pain, and he fell over and passed out. And the paramedics came, and they, they said, Sir, sir, are you okay? He passed out, and the neighbors saw him fall down, and they came in. Sir, are you okay? We're the paramedics. We're here to help. And he, he came to his senses, and they said, What's wrong with you? He said, It's my son. It's my son. He came in and asked me for the keys to the garage. And, and, and in, when I came out, instead of him driving the car, he was on the lawnmower. And then he passed out again. Have you know, we live in a generation that doesn't know how to do hard work. That was good. Some of you will get that on the way home. He was so surprised that his son was mowing the yard. I, I have some neighbors in my neighborhood, and I won't get too descriptive here because they may listen to this podcast. So, I, you know, how I many know you need your neighbors on your side? Amen. But, man, they've got this one of these neighbors has a teenage son, and this guy's yard will go weeks without being cut. And I'm thinking, dude, you got a 17-year-old at home. Your yard should never be uncut. That's what kids are for, amen? <laughs> amen, that's why God gave you kids is to help mow the yard. Noah is nine years old, and I'm already telling him, son, when you turn 10, you're going to start helping daddy mow the yard. He's like, no, I'm too little, it's too hard. I know it's hard, that's why we're going to do it. Because I'm not only going to lead you in hard work, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to demonstrate and model hard work. Boy, I'm not making any friends today, Candy. One of the greatest qualities we can pass on to our family and those around us is the ability to work hard. Let me show you this real quick. Let's just look at these scriptures, okay? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. The Apostle Paul said, Whatever I am now, it's because of God's grace. Whatever I am now, it's because God has poured out His special favor on me. And it's not without results, meaning God invested in me and, and, and I'm, I'm producing fruit. Notice what Paul said. He said, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. How many know that probably didn't make all the other apostles feel very good about themselves? But Paul said, I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it wasn't me, but it was God working through me by His grace. The apostle Paul knew what it meant to work hard. It's okay to sweat. It's okay to get tired. It's okay to exert energy. We need hard work. We need to be dedicated and teach those principles to our family and to our children. Now look at Deuteronomy 15.10. 
You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give. Because this thing, the Lord your God, will bless you. He will bless you in what? All your laying around and being lazy. What's it say, Tito? It says, God will bless you in all of your work and in your undertaking. So you know what I teach my children? If you're not working hard, you're not giving God anything to bless. God doesn't bless laziness. God blesses hard work. Can I have a good amen like you still love me today? Come on, men. Hard work gives God something to bless. You do your part now. Don't get in a ditch where you're just overperforming, you're neglecting your family. Uh, we're not talking about those ditches, but we're talking about modeling and demonstrating hard work. Look at Psalm 90 and verse 17. Psalm 90 and 17 says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. How many of you want that? How many say, I want the favor of God on us? Keep reading your Bible. It says, And confirm and establish the work of our hands. Oh, we want your favor, God. We want your prosperity. God says, work harder, work smarter. Notice this here. Yes, establish and confirm the work of our hands. Look at Psalm 128 and 2. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Last night we were at George and Rita's. Just went over and hung out and had a little dinner. And George bought a watermelon, and we ate that watermelon. It was awesome. If you ever need to buy a watermelon, let George thump on it and mash on it and look at it. He picked out the perfect watermelon. And George bought that. He paid for that. That was the fruit of his labor. I enjoyed last night the best, juiciest watermelon because George worked hard for it. The Bible says you will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Notice labor is attached to joy and prosperous. When's the last time you heard that on Christian television? Throw money in the plate and you'll be joyful and prosperous. You got to work hard. And man, I tell you, if you've ever done any kind of remodeling or ever built something, carry build stuff and design stuff, if you've ever done anything that was hard, when, when you step back and go, man, this was awesome, you really do enjoy the fruit of your labor. Look at Proverbs 12, 11. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. How I many know we need the wisdom from Proverbs today in America? A hard worker has plenty of food. Last one, Acts 20, 35. Paul said, I've been constant an example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to embark on some things as a church where we really help those in need, where we really bless our community, invest in our community. Guess what? It's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. It's going to take sacrifice. But we're doing it to spread the fame of Jesus. We're doing it because if you touch a heart, if you touch a need, you can touch a heart. It says of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of our Lord. It's better to give than receive. So men, we're going to be faithful. Can I have an amen? We're going to watch our words. They're important. We're going to speak blessings over our family. We're going to demonstrate model hard work. Last one, we're going to let you go. This is huge, 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 huge. We're going to create a culture of honor. Well, my kids just don't honor me. Or my, you know, there, there is a certain amount of honor that comes because I'm dad. I mean, you, know, you can obey without honoring. I appreciate my kids obeying. I appreciate my wife obeying, which is, you know, even less than my kids. But uh, I'm just teasing. Oh, come on, that was funny. 
I appreciate the obedience. From, that was really funny. Come on. Appreciate the obedience from my children. Apparently nobody else does. But I really love their heart. I really want their heart. I really want their obedience. I really want them to honor. So look at Ephesians 6.1. There's a difference in obedience and honor. And sometimes we settle for obedience when, when we should really be looking for honor. What does it mean to create a culture of honor? Well, my kids don't honor me. Do they see you honoring your employer? Are you talking bad about the pastor and the staff every Sunday on the way home? That's right. Not yet. Amen. <laughs> Tara, are you talking bad about the pastor every day after the sermon? Children, obey your parents. And Are you talking bad about your employer left and right every time they turn around? Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Look at verse 2. And then honor. See, in America, see, this is, can I help you? Please don't check out. Please, this is the last sermon in this series. i got to get it all in, okay? All right? In America, we're all, we, we, set, we focus on obeying. Let me teach you a principle here, okay? But we should really be focusing on honor. Because if you teach honor, the obedience will follow. We, we shouldn't, ju- when kids are little, like my little, little kids, it, it, there is an element you just need to obey because I'm dad and I said so. But when you're 16, I'm dad and I said so, it gets really hard. Can we be honest? When the kid is 18 and, well, you're in my house and I'm dad and I said so, it's really hard at that point to use it. There is still an element, I'm dad and I said so. But you know what? Can I be honest with you? I don't want to get to the point with my 18-year-old where I have to threaten I'm dad and I said so every single time I need them to do something. So now I'm teaching my kids honor. Because even as a man, I'm a young man now, and I have my parents are still alive. And, and even now, I will obey things my mom says, even though I'm thinking, lady, I've been moved out for a while. You know, she's not here today, so I can talk about her, you know. She's like, y'all are coming over for dinner tonight. Okay, yes, ma'am, if you twist my arm, you know, we'll come over for a dinner. But even now, there's an element. I just did a project with my dad a couple of weeks ago, helped him with some flooring, and, and there were some things I wanted to do different and some things he wanted to do different, but guess what? I submitted and I obeyed and I followed and I did. You know why? Not, but you know, I didn't live there. I'm volunteering my time and you want me to do this and that. It was all good and legitimate. But you know why I did? Because honor never expires. Honor. Now, listen, children, if you will honor your parents, then one day your parents will honor you. We got to create a culture of honor where it's not just everybody honor me because I'm dad. Let's honor mom. Let's honor grandparents. Let's honor people at church. Jim was just at our house the other day helping work, and we appreciate Jim so much. Thank God for what he did to help us out at our house. But my kids said, look, Mr. Jim is here. He could care less about being called Mr. Jim, right? He may secretly like it. I don't know. But he's not Mr. Jim. Why is Lily calling him Mr. Jim? Honor. Doesn't the Bible say to honor all people and all men? Let's create that culture. In the Hebrew language, the root word means to get means literally heavy or weighty. Listen, honor means heavy or weighty. So, Chad, when I honor, it actually means to give weight to someone else, to give preference to someone else. So, very quickly, let me show you this PowerPoint for life. Honor opens the door for the supernatural. Honor opens the door for the supernatural. We want God to work in our life. We want God's blessings on our family. We want God's blessings in our home and on our job. 
Honor opens the door for the supernatural. Let me prove it. John, I'll just quote, I'll just tell you about it. Remember John chapter 1? Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, no, 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 this is the Lamb of God. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. And then all of a sudden, out of that honor, we see the Holy Spirit coming down as a dove. We hear the voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Honor preceded the supernatural. Up to that point, Jesus had done no miracles. Jesus had not healed anybody. And then John, because of honor, he opened the door to the supernatural. Children and parents and, and families and men and dad, let's create a culture of honor where we honor one another. Let your children see you honoring your spouse. Let your children see you honoring your employer, even when you disagree with them. Let your children see you honoring those family members. Romans 12.10, last passage. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to honor one another. And Meshach will tell you, Luis will tell you, that our brothers and sisters in other countries, Rinkin will tell you, India, man, they know how to honor people. Other countries, they, they, they are almost where you feel weird because they're honoring you so much for being there. And they're so, imagine if we honored when we come into this house. Carol, I'm so happy you're here today. I just honor you. Let me get you a cup of water. And what if Carol was saying, Oh, Rinkum, I just honored you today. Let me get you a sausage biscuit that Angie made. Praise God. And, and what, if, what if we began to honor one another? What if at home, well, I want my kids to honor me. Are you honoring your children? You know, children have emotions and, and they have thought. Are you sowing honor where you want to reap it? The Bible says you reap what you sow. If I want honor from my wife, guess what I do? I demand it that she honors me. No. I sow. Aunt Kelly's like, you better not, you turkey. If I want honor from my wife, I sow honor. I sow it. Sow where you want to go. Oh, that's good. Somebody write that down. So here's my summary. I'm over. I got a timer and I'm over. I'm sorry. Don't tell Pastor Rick. I went over. I told him I'd use the timer today. I went too long last week. Here's my summary, Bethany. I really tried. I really tried. I set a timer. But timers mean nothing to me. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Who needs a timer? Y'all ain't got nothing else to do today. Man, if I, could, if I could just speak into your life, men and women. Ladies, if it's just been blessing to you too. Hopefully we didn't just pick on the men too much. Thank you, Linda. You're my new favorite person. Amen. Men, be known of, as a person of godly wisdom. Ladies, too. Let's be known of, as a person of godly wisdom. Lead in character. We, we need to bring back godly role models. You know, uh, Mary and David aren't here, and many of you know Pastor Kevin went on to be the Lord and the founder of this church. And although we had our disagreements and our differences on the way church should look, I honored him because he was really honestly a godly biblical role model. And he was generous and he had a good heart. And at 88 and some years old, he had stayed faithful to God. He had never had a moral failure, the, the, you know, stealing money from the treasury and all that. At 88 some years old, he stayed faithful to God. Let's bring back biblical role models. I want people to look up to me when I'm old, not just because they're short. I want them to look up to me because I'm a man of God, because I'm a man of character. Be faithful in your finances. Manage your money well. And if you're not where you need to be, believe God to help you. Get some counsel. There's so many good resources. If you're 
outcome is more, if your outgo is more than your income, then your upkeep is going to be your downfall. So start by spending less than you make. If your outgo is more than your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. Men, let's manage our money well. Let's be faithful. And then last thing, i got to leave with this. This is directly from the Holy Spirit. You ready? Here we go. I see the hearts open, the arrows coming. Ooh, man, I see it. Ready? Be a dream builder, not a dream crusher. Some of you had dads who were dream crushers. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do this. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the movie I Can Only Imagine. It's a tremendous movie, and it will show you a dream crusher. You may have never had an earthly dad tell you that you could, could live your dream. You know what? I hate that for you, and I have so much compassion for you in that. You may not be able to go back and undo that. You can't unscramble those eggs. What's done is done. But listen, you going forward, you can be a dream builder. You know what I'm realizing, Susan? My kids have dreams. My kids have aspirations, even at a young age. Am I going to speak life into them? Am I going to speak destiny to them? Am I going to build their dreams? <laughs> I felt like a dream killer the other day. Uh, Ava's downstairs, so I could share this, but apparently America's got talents coming in uh, to town or whatever, and she's wanting to like go audition, and I'm like, no, we need to wait. You, know, you need to do voice lessons and all that. And so even then, I'm not, I'm not trying to crush her little dreams. Of Number one, I'm not going to Vegas, because I guess you want a show in Vegas if you went. And I just told her, honey, you're good. you got a godly voice, but you're not good enough yet. You're not there yet. Let's work on it. Let's pray about it. Let's take voice lessons, and you still got plenty of time. you got many years to do that. And so I wasn't just squishing the dream, saying, no, you're not good enough. They'll laugh you off the stage. We're not wasting time. No, honey, maybe one day, maybe one day. One day God will do that, but not right now. So you can even, even in reality, you can still build dreams. Let's build dreams, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Come on, give God thanks. Don't be a dream crusher. And, and if, you, if you had a dream crusher, forgive. Forgive. And just sow where you want to go. Sow a dream into someone else. Amen. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you saw something in us that could help us build the dream of another. Lord, we, we want to be mighty men and women. We want to finish strong. We want to stay faithful. We want to lead in character. We want to focus on our family because that's really your heart. And would you help us do that in Jesus' name?